You already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL. Episode 54, we are live on a Tuesday. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're right here with me, tapped into the show. Hope everyone's had a great week. Thanksgiving is in two days. Hope you got all your plans sorted out because uh, like I've said the last few episodes, it is coming up quick. Y'all get in the chat and in the comments tonight on episode 54 as we roll through week 11 of the NFL. As always, please make sure to like and share the show wherever you may be watching us at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Be sure to subscribe. Hit the bell on YouTube so you never miss a post as well. And as I always say, the QR code there in the corner of the screen will give you every bit of social media and podcast content. If you can't find me, I promise you're simply not looking hard enough at the NFL with AJL. Hashtag the NFL with AJL on all of our posts to see everything that we've got. The Chiefs need wide receiver help. Discussing the Broncos win streak. The Lions struggled. We're talking cut the turkey as Thanksgiving comes up. Nice little head coaching segment there later on in the show. NFL Week 12 Power Rankings. The Eagles beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl rematch and plenty more. Actually, that might have been the whole lineup there for you guys. Again, hope you all had a great week. You could have been anywhere else, but you're right here tapped in with me on the show and let's go ahead and jump right into it not waste any more time as the lions struggle with the bears behind jared goff's three interceptions before the lions do escape with a win here and we saw dan campbell he was like watch out for these guys he had a lot of respect in these pre-game press conferences and of course coaches in the nfl they're going to respect any type of competition that they go up against and we saw that this was one of those cases in the nfl on an any given sunday and even go and look at some of the takeaways from reporters on this game they were looking forward to thanksgiving already because they thought this was going to be a surefire loss and knowing that the bears had a 98.8 percent chance to win this football game at one point before the Detroit Lions come in and steal it from him. Again, Jared Goff throwing three interceptions. The first one, he was off, just pressure in his face. And, of course, we see Sam Laporta, uh, Sam Laporta collide with the defender while running his route, so that that caused an interception there for Detroit. The second and third interceptions really were just awful, inexcusable throws from Jared Goff. But I guess he was due for a game like this, a guy that doesn't fumble the ball much, a guy that definitely makes good decisions, good completion percentage, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. You could tell the Bears were in their bag defensively in this game. Matt Eberflus doing whatever he could to win this football ball game of course they do still come up short and then even to know that Jared Goff damn near threw another interception which could have been a pick six and then just a duck I think it was on third down that fell at the feet uh, of the defenders so Jared Goff two dropped interceptions three complete interceptions in this game you have them fumbling on the kickoff as as well I mean every possible thing that could have not went the Lions way felt like it happened in this game and against the Chicago Bears out of all teams the week of Thanksgiving right before you play on Thanksgiving and you're at home. They gave the Bears at one point, again, a 98.8% chance to win this football game. So the Lions had a 99% chance. We'll just go ahead and say it. The Lions had a 99% chance to go on and lose this football game. And Jared Goff was four for nine, 34 yards, two interceptions before he leads that two-minute drill at the end of the first half for the touchdown. And, and that kind of felt like the turning point uh, for Detroit in this game. Justin Fields had his first game back, which was huge. We know he missed the last month or I believe four weeks, excuse me, uh, with the injured thumb. I thought he played very aware in this game and made some great plays. We saw some RPOs. We saw some play actions, some rollout passes that OC Luke Getze, who had really been under a lot of scrutiny, was trying to employ into the game for Justin Fields. And even when Tyson Bajanet came in, the media was like, 
what the hell do you mean the offense isn't going to change with Tyson Bajant versus Justin Fields? And clearly it did because we saw a lot of those similar play styles come back towards Justin Fields in this game, in his first game back. You see first drive, leads them 75 yards down the field for the touchdown drive to open it up. Uh, nice fourth and two conversion again from Justin Fields to DJ Moore early on. He had a touchdown pass to DJ Moore. In the third quarter on the second and 20, you get you guys, especially Bears fans, if you watch the game or if anybody watched the game, you know exactly what play I'm talking about. Second and 20 in the third quarter, the touchdown pass from Justin Fields to DJ Moore. He steps up in the pocket. Looks like he's going to threaten to run before he just stands pat, throws a bomb to DJ Moore, and, and it was a very nice play and, and one of the better throws from Justin Fields in his career. Now, he did miss the big throw to Scott, which really could have changed this game. There was two minutes and 44 seconds to go. Deep shot, receiver lays out, just misses the throw. So Justin Fields is going to start getting those back into his arsenal for sure. Uh, but it was his first game back from the injury. Nonetheless, though, he had his third straight 100-yard rushing game against the Detroit Lions. And here's the crazy thing to know how the Bears fared in this game defensively with the turnovers and everything that were, you know, kind of going in their favor. NFL teams who had a plus three turnover margin and held the ball for more than 40 minutes were 48 and 0 since 19, 1932 coming into the game with the Lions and the Bears. The Bears were the first loss. Also, teams with more than 40 minutes of time of possession, not including the plus three turnover margin, th uh, teams with more than 40 minutes of time of possession since 2000 had a record of 105 and 10 in non-overtime games. But the Chicago Bears went on to lose that game. And you just see as the game went on, the defense bent, it broke, and really letting Detroit have whatever, whenever they wanted on the field to go down and win this football game. They uh, kicked the field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, we see that a couple of times. And, you know, some of that play calling is kind of getting called into question. They are getting they are getting scrutinized on why would you kick those fourth quarter, you know, field goals, knowing that the Lions do have that type of offense. And, yes, they were up in the game, knowing that the Lions were down 26 to 14 before putting up 17 unanswered. Of course, a couple from from the safety there. But the Bears just have to make better decisions late in games, especially when it comes down to, you know, what should have been a signature win for Matt Eberflus in his time as a Bear and especially on the season. You see, after the 14-play drive that ate up almost nine minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter, and they're down 26-14. to 14. This is talking about the perspective the Lions were looking at here in the game. They're down 26-14. to 14. They just let up a 14-play drive that ate up nine minutes on the clock. There's three minutes and 54 seconds to go. They score 17 unanswered points to just take it home, and that really says everything about Detroit. You had the bomb from Goff to Williams, and then you also had the – that was the first touchdown as the comeback started to mount. David Montgomery had a hell of a game. Amon Ross St. Brown had a hell of a game. David Montgomery pounding the football to score on the second uh, on the second touchdown was that was in that, that, that comeback um, – you know, that comeback bid right there in the fourth quarter. Of course, they do pull it off and win the game. And just plenty of key players stepped up in the fourth quarter. They scored 15 points in just three minutes and 20 seconds of total playing time in order to take this game away. And that's just at the end of the fourth quarter. There was 3.54 to go when they're down by 12 points. They said, you just wait a second. We'll put up 17 and, and take this game home. The Bears offense scored one touchdown and one field goal off the four total takeaways. They didn't score any points off the first two half takeaways. Instead, the Lions led, led at halftime 14 to 10. And I really thought this was a game that the Lions were going to lose, but Jared Goff got comfortable, engineered a couple of those two-minute drill drives. It felt like, I guess, the four-minute drill, you could say. Dan Campbell didn't let up. The defense stepped up when it had to. And overall, we saw that Detroit Lions team that is still the second-best team in the NFL that beat the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. That has continued to stay solid week in and week 
out. And, you know, when you when you have games like this, we hear the saying, you don't apologize for winning in the NFL. It's very hard to win in this league. And when you win ugly, so be it. Jared Goff, three picks, all pretty ugly outside of the Sam Laporta one. Drop pick six, another drop pick for the quarterback. So I got to get my hats off to NFLs. Of course, y'all know I love Justin Fields. And um, you guys know that Justin Fields has some work to do, especially being an Ohio State quarterback, being under the coaching that that's over there in Chicago. Again, I like the guy a lot, but uh, his surroundings are definitely going to have to become better for him. Darby, Bruns, Fred, what's up, man? Just to let the show know, I will be at the Saints-Falcons game on Sunday, so we're going to have plenty of takeaways coming from that on next Tuesday's show. Bruns and Fred that are in the chat. You guys already know we'll be there. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a time. Y'all make sure to tap in on social media as well. Real quick, before we get into the next game, did anybody think this was one of the more boring weeks of football here lately? I mean, Steelers, Browns, Raiders, Dolphins, you know, Bears, Lions, Titans, Jags, Chargers, Packers. I'm just looking down the slate, and I'm like, there's going to have to be a game or two that jumps out, you know, in some way or shape for me to bring it onto the lineup here. I mean, we had Cardinals, Texans, Cowboys, Panthers, Giants beat the Commanders. Uh, you know, Seahawks, Rams, Jets, Bills. It wasn't a whole lot. It was the primetime games of Viking Broncos that I was waiting on. Eagles, Chiefs. We had Sunday night football was blessed with Vikings, Broncos. Monday night football was blessed with Eagles, Chiefs. And then Thursday night football, outside of Joe Burrow getting injured, we had Bengals, Ravens as well. But let's go ahead and get into the next game as we're going to recap the Vikings and the Broncos. The Broncos win at home 21 to 20. They end the Vikings winning streak, which was the longest in the NFL. The Broncos take over the longest winning streak in the NFL. They're now on a four-game win streak. They're five and five. They have forced 12 turnovers in the last three games. 12 turnovers in the last three games for a Miami, or not a Miami Dolphins team, a team that let the Miami Dolphins put up 70 on them. I'll have a couple of ways of how the defense breaks down for you later in the game. But just to know that this team Started off horrible. I said Sean Payton wasn't going to last until Thanksgiving because it just wasn't a good product he was putting on the field. Russell Wilson still kind of looked like the, the rust from last year. He's completely changed from that. The defense is coming around. And, and I said it on the last show. Sean Payton has figured out Russell Wilson, and now they have won four games in a row. They're 5-5 five and five in the playoffs, and, and they've got some real wiggle room here knowing that Indianapolis – is the only team above them with the same record. And Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Houston are the three teams above them that only have one more win. We knew the AFC was going to be tight. We knew that there were going to be teams that got their hearts broken when the playoffs came around. Or even if they played very well through the year, kind of just going back to the, the, the AFC, seating, AFC seating in the playoffs, they, they weren't going to be able to make it. And the Broncos could be in that. But I think with the way they're playing now, they're definitely going to have a case to, uh, to win this. And I just want to go on record and say this too. People talking about, you know, oh, Russ isn't washed anymore. First of all, he was never washed. One bad season with a very bad surrounding in terms of head coach and just everything was new with the team. That's not going to be, you know, terms for being washed. Russell Wilson now 19 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year, very high completion percentage, very high passer rating, and knowing that he's back at that top 10 quarterback level. I just told you all my top 10 quarterbacks on the last show. Russell Wilson isn't having to look like the old Russ, though. And that's what's throwing a lot of people off. A lot of people don't see him making those crazy throws every game, being that vintage Russell Wilson working super off script. He's still capable of it. But what I see right now out of Russell Wilson with Sean Payton, call me crazy, but I, I, I witnessed it in New Orleans, and I'm damn near seeing the same thing with an amazing quarterback in Russ. 
he is almost treating Russell Wilson like he treated Drew Brees in his last few years in New Orleans. And stay with me here. The short passes, easy stuff over the middle, knowing that he's a legendary player that can read the field well, knowing that he's won a Super Bowl before, knowing that he can run an offense, be very dynamic, but he's not going to ask him to do a lot. You see a lot of those characteristics in Drew Brees as well. If you even want to go with the fact that they're shorter, fact that they're shorter quarterbacks. Of course, Russ is more mobile. But knowing that Sean Payton is not asking Russ to do a lot. He didn't ask Drew to do a lot in his last few years. Now it was because Drew had a very shot arm. But Sean Payton understands that Russell Wilson can only make two or three, or not can only, only might have to make two or three big plays a game to still take them to the promised land of winning that football game. He doesn't have to have him playing hero ball like he did with Pete Carroll in Seattle. And it's good that Sean Payton realizes that because it allows that energy to flow on into other aspects of the game and into other players. And at the end of the day, hero ball can make everybody nervous. And it's not what people are used to seeing. So it's going to keep people from saying that Russ is playing good. Russ is back. Sean Payton has fixed it. No, he has. It looks different. And he's keeping it simple. For Russell Wilson, I see a lot of comparisons from how he ran the Saints in the last few years with Drew Brees to how he's running it right now with Russ. I think we could see it later in the season, in the postseason, maybe even next year. The training wheels come off. He's kind of back to that, you know, vintage Seattle Russ, but still not as many uh, 50-50 balls or risk it plays. We know Sean Payton likes to be like that, but he's also been, you know, uh, dogged a little bit for for being conservative in in big time games. But let, let's focus on this Denver defense, who almost had a second interception on Josh Dobbs in this game. And this defense is really clicking since giving up 70 points to Miami. The defense sealed the final drive in this game to win it, and they were smothering Josh Dobbs multiple times and really just on his ass kind of all night. Russ with another big game. He had a nice play when he picked up the blitz on first and 10 with 42 seconds to go in the second quarter. He had a nice pass to Adam Troutman. Now, they were 2-for-12 on third down, and they were 1-for-5 in the red zone, but when they needed Russell Wilson the most to step up and deliver the touchdown pass, which was already one drop by Jerry Judy, Russell Wilson stepped up, delivered it to Cortland Sutton. He had his guy, he gave his guy a chance to go up and make a play with a minute and three seconds to go, 15-yard touchdown. You might not like the throw, but Russ has pulled those off his whole career. And again, this is where people aren't going to realize that Russ is clicking at a high level. It just looks different. You just got a different brand on it. It's kind of like when you go to Target or, or, or you go to Ross and you buy the shoes that are pretty much like the Nikes or they're pretty much like the Converse or the Adidas. They're just not $75, $130, $145, but they're still comfortable. They still do the same thing and they still damn near look the same. That is what you're getting right now with Russell Wilson. And, you know, you, you might not like the five field goals in a roll for Denver, kind of showing that lack of offense in this game, knowing the weapons they have at their disposal. But, again, Jerry Judy did drop a touchdown pass, which was a dot from Russell Wilson in the end zone. They forced three turnovers with only nine points off of the three field goals to show for it. Now, they do score off every turnover, but each of those being a field goal. Cortland Sutton in back-to-back -back weeks with, with just great catches, man. I mean, Russ gives his guy chances to make plays, and when they do, they deliver. Russell Wilson now has 38 game-winning drives and 30 fourth-quarter comebacks, both tied for the most in the league since 2012, the span of Russell Wilson's career when he was drafted by Seattle, of course, tied with Matthew Stafford. This is the Broncos' first four-game winning streak since 2016, the first season that came after uh, they won Super Bowl 50 in Peyton Manning's last year. They've allowed 17 points per game since week seven. During their winning streak, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only other team that have allowed the same amount of points as them. So they're tied with Pittsburgh for the fewest points allowed in the league in that 
uh, stretch of their winning streak. And you see they were uh, weeks one through six. Denver gave up 33 points per game. In their win streak, they've given up 68 points per game. uh, Excuse me, 68 total points in that four-game win streak. That's two points less than the entire 70-burger they led up in week three to Miami. And you see a player that's really breaking out for Denver right now, Jaquan McMillan. He's really been fantastic since taking over the slot role early in October. He had an interception and a fumble recovery in this game. He's a second-year corner, three PBUs on the year, five tackles behind the line of scrimmage, so five tackle for losses, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and one forced fumble this season just since coming in in early October. So Jaquan McMillan's playing himself into a contract, playing himself into a, a, a another option for this Denver team who we know has uh, or had some of the best secondary players and still has a Patrick Sertan out there. We know they had a Justin Simmons at one time, a, a couple of other safeties. Matter of fact, is... Before I get roasted by everybody, is Justin Simmons still there? Yes, he is. Justin Simmons is actually still out there, so they still have the the presence of him as well. Kareem Jackson's got to clean up his dirty hits as well. We see he just pops Josh Dobbs right under the chin, which uh, which did have a a fumble that was forced in the game. But you know, Jaquan McMillan, just a playmaking DB right now. He's been a huge part of the defensive turnaround that's been in Denver. Also, you know, the Broncos allowed 175 rushing yards on the ground to the third worst rushing team in the NFL, which is the Minnesota Vikings. After three straight games of rushing for 85 plus yards, the Broncos, the run game just disappeared in this game. 15 carries, I believe, for for 46 total yards. Fred last night's game was okay. Yeah, Super Bowl rematch, though. You know what I mean? We're actually going to get into that game here soon. I think the Lions versus Dallas will be a good one coming up. Very possible the Lions are a a very solid football team. And um, I mean, with them being the second best team in the league in my book, man, it's exciting to see them play the way that they are, especially that offense. I mean, Jared Goff is just so comfortable. What what, what can you say about the the elite level of play that he's given us right now? And I know it's not a whole lot about the Vikings in this one. Really, I, I wanted to focus on Denver in this game because I think they are the bigger story coming out of this one. Now, the Vikings play, play calling, you know, did kind of confuse me here. A TJ Hawkinson under the center snap and then a pitch to Josh Dobbs who gets popped, has to go into the blue tent, and then he also fumbles as well. But I got to give respect to that first touchdown pass from Josh Dobbs to, uh, I think it was Josh Oliver, yes, the tight end. Just very slick moves there. And then the touchdown run, very fearless from Josh Dobbs. We know that he's a dual threat with his legs. But, you know, the Vikings played a lot of conservative zone defense, which allowed a veteran in Russell Wilson to pick him apart. 77% completion, 259 yards, one touchdown, 107 passer rating. The Vikings won time of possession by 10 minutes and lost his football. Okay. Now, what you can take away from that got shit done when you needed to, really. Losing time of possession usually does, I wouldn't even say usually equates to losing the game, but the more time you hold the football, the more time the offense ball in their hands, more times than not, you're going to be in a position to in the football game. But you guys get in the chat in the comments as you have already. Let me know what you feel about the Lions and Bears review so far. Vikings and Broncos recap. You you got to give it up to the Denver Broncos, man. Defense has turned it around. They're in the mix of the AFC playoff. Sean Payton has figured out Russell Wilson and the Broncos. The Broncos offense does need to click at a higher level for sure. Because this is another tough one they escaped with. We know the last one against the Bills, they escaped with 12 men on the field. The last one against the Chiefs, Sky Moore drops a touchdown pass. And then the one before that, they're barely beating the Packers, who are, are not a good football team. But hey, Thanksgiving's here. Broncos are 500. 
Sean Payton's got it clicking, and and I said it in my preseason predictions. I could see the Broncos going to going to the divisional round here. Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl rematch. Eagles escape with this one, twenty one to 17 Patrick Mahomes under 200 passing yards again the Eagles continue to show they are the most balanced team one of the most balanced teams in the NFL they are the best team in the NFL they have the best record in the NFL and uh, let's go ahead and dive into it want to start with the Chiefs though you can't tell me the Chiefs are not regretting trading for a wide receiver like I said that they needed to desperately you can't tell me that the Chiefs aren't regretting not signing a wide receiver in the offseason like an OBJ like a DeAndre Hopkins, going and making a move for somebody. I mean, hell, even Adam Thielen, who's over in Carolina right now, would probably have been a nice option for Patrick Mahomes. Because when there's no Travis Kelsey, you're going to depend on Sky Moore. No, he dropped a touchdown pass for you. You're going to depend on MVS. I won't pick on him too much, but he dropped a touchdown pass. Travis Kelsey's getting stripped of the football. Patrick Mahomes is throwing red zone interceptions. Your key players can only do so much before you have to have a veteran and just a proven playmaker year over year on your team, which is where Mahomes and Kelsey come in in the strong suit. But hell, I'm going to just say it right now. Isaiah Pacheco is the third best offensive player behind Mahomes and Kelsey on this team. And I don't think that's a hot take, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans would agree with me. But Isaiah Pacheco is a very, very good running back, and I'm impressed with how the Chiefs picked him out of the draft. But the Chiefs have to be regretting not chasing more offensive talent. And this is why I picked the Eagles to win this game, because I believe when it comes down to it late in the late in the regular season for when playoff seating is on the line or in the postseason where you win or go home, this will be the downfall of the Kansas City Chiefs because they're going to say, we're not letting Travis Kelsey beat us. You're going to throw to Sky Moore, MVS, Rasheed Rice and and Kadarius Tony, and we're going to make you beat us through them. And I think Mahomes could do it once. And maybe even twice. Hell, maybe even three times because it's Mahomes. But I don't believe it will be a continued recipe for success that's going to get the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl. And, and I want to see them repeat, right? I love when history is made in sports. I love when I can see a team sustain dominance year over year over year. And the Chiefs have done that. But we're starting to see them come back to earth because Mahomes can only do so much. Andy Reid can only draw up so many plays before those veteran playmakers have to be in those positions at the right time. You look, two weeks ago against Denver, Sky Moore dropped a touchdown pass. That could have very well changed the game. You see MBS in this game dropping a potential game winner. That would have changed the game. It's it's hard to continue to watch the It's not even hard to continue to watch the Chiefs play like this. It's It, it just always makes me wonder, God, what if that was D-Hop over there? Or what if that was a star wide receiver catching passes from Mahomes time after time? I mean, seriously, how would it be? And you see them punting on fourth and four at the Eagles 39-yard line. That was just really confusing to me. Um, I didn't necessarily understand that play call at that point because you're on the Eagles 39-yard line. Either way, though, the Eagles uh, proved to, to not have it bother them, and they go on and they're able to win the football game, but the Eagles show why they're still the best team in the NFL at nine and one now winning the Super Bowl rematch here. And after giving up 38 points to Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs in the Super Bowl, Philly's defense did not give up a point in the second half on Monday night. And they scored the only two touchdowns of the second half after being down by 10 at halftime. And they only allowed Patrick Mahomes to throw for 177 yards total on the day. 
They forced two turnovers in the red zone, talking about Philly over Kansas City. And, and again, that was a Patrick Mahomes interception that he threw, and that was the strip from Travis Kelsey as well. But the Eagles' defense in the second half was just unreal. Like I said, no points, 146 total yards. The Chiefs averaged 3.9 yards per play. Travis Kelsey fumbles. Kansas City punts on four of their six possessions in the last two quarters of this game. So in the second half, the other two possessions were a fumble and a turnover on down. So Kansas City saw nothing in the second half. The Eagles were not going to let up from the Kansas City Chiefs. And and Sean Desai, he's just adjusting. He's becoming tested as the season gets deeper and deeper. And and Sean Desai is just really able to... um, you know, just just really able to help this defense adjust, and and rightfully so. I mean, that's how the Eagles are going to have to play if they want to get back in the Super Bowl, be in this Super Bowl rematch. Now, the offensive line did allow five sacks in the first half, but no sacks allowed in the second half, so the Eagles tightened up on that front as well. Now, they were three of 11 on third down, and they had, a fi- uh, they had a, actually a bad stretch of five third downs in this game, three straight sacks, two negative runs in the, I think, first five plays that they ran on third down. In this game, we see A.J. Brown, one catch, and we saw him and Jalen Hurts getting into it on the sideline again. So maybe we're in store for another five or six straight games of A.J. Brown with 125-plus yards receiving. Not uh, Not necessarily sure if that will be the case, but when your star receiver doesn't get involved and you see those altercations happening on the sideline again, it's it's going to make you wonder what... What has to have A.J. Brown not very included in that offensive game plan? And I understand that Steve Spagnuolo runs a good defense right now. He's running a a very solid defense. Yes, I'm sweating my ass off. Y'all are watching this video and, and seeing me wipe my forehead, man. It's a little, little hot in here in the studio. Um, but, you know, what has to be in the game plan for A.J. Brown to only get one catch? I understand, again, Spags is playing a great defense. Kansas City has one of the better defenses in the NFL, and that's a big credit to Steve Spagnola. But A.J. Brown with one catch cannot happen. And it's going to make you look at Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, who continues to have Jalen Hurts drop back deep, uh, continued to have him drop back deep when he deep drop back deep when he had already taken five sacks in the game. But Jalen Hurts in this game does pass Cam Newton for the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in the first four seasons. So the Eagles just played a solid game here. The Eagles played a you know, it's kind of like Fred said, last night's game was okay. It, it was, you know, it was a boring game. I mean, it's, you know, not one that was too exciting to watch. Knowing that Kansas City was up 17 to 7 at the half, it seemed like they might have cruised to a 35-14 win, you know, uh, maybe a, a 28 to 21 win. We really weren't sure. Um, but as we see Sean Desai adjust, again, no points in the second half, 146 yards. Chiefs don't even average four points per play. Two possessions ended in a fumble and a turnover on downs. The other four ended in punts. So the Eagles just did everything right in this game besides the protection in Jalen Hurts from the first half. And of course, you know, the offense wasn't very solid. Jalen Hurts, I think, had 46 passing yards at the half. The Eagles had 78 total yards of offense at the half in this game. Um, you know, but knowing that the Eagles grinded this one out, these these are going to be the types of games that really define who you are as a team. Um, winning those ugly ones. And again, you don't apologize for the way you went in the NFL, winning those shootouts, winning those ones where you have to grind them out. But but more than anything, sticking to this story of the game, winning those 21 to 20 games, winning those games where your defense just absolutely has to put on a clinic for you just to put up 14 points in the second half. And ultimately the only two touchdowns 
of the second half. You have to be content with maybe just scoring one touchdown a quarter after halftime, which you know might be like, wow, that's that's 14 points afterwards. But some teams get a little antsy after that, and they're like, no, we got to go for 21. We got to go for 28. The Eagles stood pat on their trenches on the defensive line. The offensive line turned it around in the second half, and the Eagles are going to have to play plenty of games like this as the season finishes out, and especially in the postseason. I still think Philly's the best team in the NFL. I still had them go into the Super Bowl. It'd probably be Philly. Detroit, I'd probably have to choose for the NFC title game. If not Detroit, then San Francisco. And the reason I believe in Philly so much to really win the Super Bowl this year, you know, realistically, when it comes down to it, um, I, I had Ingles Bengals, but now with the Bengals being out, you know, I don't know how I'd put in the AFC, but it's it's Philly's ability to grind out these games. It's it's their ability to just play those boring ass games, just those Monday night football games where you want Mahomes and, and Hurts to go 38-35 like they did in the Super Bowl. And hey, I wanted that too. I was like, hell yeah, Super Bowl rematch, been waiting on it. All week. I circled it on the calendar when the NFL schedule dropped. And um, you know, I was just like, hell yeah, this is gonna be a great game to to take a look at. This has been episode 54 of the NFL with AJL. I appreciate everybody tapping into the show tonight. Again, you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're right here tapped in with me on the show, chopping up Chiefs, Broncos, Lions, Eagles, and everyone in a good game that faced off in in week 11 of the NFL. As always, make sure to like and share the show. Wherever you may be watching, we're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitter, 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 or actually X, excuse me, (laughs) Facebook, YouTube, X, and Twitch right now. Be sure to share that stream with whoever you think enjoys the NFL, would enjoy the show, just would enjoy a good product, a product of content that we put out every week. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Let's get to 700 subs. Should have said that at the beginning of the show. Let's get to 700 subs tonight. We're at 697. Y'all are blowing up the Sean Payton fixed Russell Wilson video. Let's keep on the engagement with the shorts. As always, you can drop a super chat or a super thanks on YouTube. If you go over to the YouTube channel, get in the chat, you can donate a dollar. You can donate 50 bucks. You can donate a hundred bucks. Christmas is in a month. The birthday was a few weeks ago. No donation is too big, but no donation is definitely too small either. At the NFL with AJL, hashtag the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. That QR code is the easy button to find me everywhere. We're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs. Buying a home, selling a home, or investing in real estate. Buy and Sell with AJL's got you covered. Check them out on social media and on all social media platforms. You can DM them or drop your email down in the comments to get on their exclusive monthly real estate newsletter that gives you the real about real estate. And also you can take advantage of the AI that they plugged into the business as well to really benefit their clients in terms of buyers and sellers. Buy and sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs. Titans have nothing but the draft to look forward to. Wesley, I... I can't speak there. I wish my buddy Allen was watching. He's a big Titans fan. He's a big FSU fan, but he loves talking to him some Titans. I mean, yeah, three at seven. At three and seven, you know, I almost wanted to put your coach Mike Brabel in on this next Thanksgiving Day segment that we're about to to get into where we're going to cut the turkey. That's right. The NFL with AJL in the Thanksgiving season of 2023 brings you cut the turkey. Which NFL teams need to cut the turkey, a.k.a. get rid of their head coaches by Thanksgiving? Probably won't happen. I didn't factor in, you know, offensive coordinators, quarterbacks, running back coaches, whatever, like the Steelers subbed in with 
um, you know, Matt Canada taking over. I just took a look at which teams should move on from their head coach at this point in the season, because we see it every year. We saw Nathaniel Hackett get fired last year. We saw Erwin Meyer get fired the year before, just awful coaching jobs, whether it is or isn't by Thanksgiving with the two that I just mentioned, I can't remember off the top of my head, but which NFL team should cut the Turkey and get rid of their head coach. Y'all already know I'm starting off the top with Dennis Allen here. I've been saying it all year. I had said it all year last year. Dennis Allen ranks 169th out of 174 active head coaches, not active head coaches, head coaches in NFL history that have coached at least 60 games. The man has a 33% winning percentage. He's 20 and oh God, what is he? Is, is he 18 and 46? Something like that. I can't remember. He has a sub-500 record with the Saints, though. And the fact that the Saints thought a guy with zero wins, essentially, on his resume in terms of meaningful ones and playing, coaching the way he did in Vegas, that he was the answer. And we, we know what Dennis Allen's doing over there in New Orleans. He's tearing the culture apart. The defense was good, and now it's been bad for the last couple of weeks, really the last month. Marshawn Lattimore might be out for the year, so that's just going to be even more of a hit for the Saints. Now there is Paulson Adebo. There is Alante Taylor. There are some of those defensive players out there, but we're an old roster. We're an old defensive line. We're an old defensive front. Dennis Allen is horrible at play calling. Pete Carmichael is also horrible at calling plays. Not only should the Saints cut the turkey and Dennis Allen, but also Pete Carmichael. And unfortunately, as the season and the time with both of them gets on, maybe even Mickey Loomis, you're condoning this. You're allowing this to happen. Miss Benson, I need you to step up and speak to Mr. Loomis. Y'all are the ones allowing this to happen. Mickey is agreeing to the contracts for these guys. The old buddy-buddy system. No, that's not what the Saints were. We remember when people came in in the past, if you didn't fit the culture, you were gone. It was kind of like the Patriot way. You had a certain standard you had to uphold here in New Orleans, and if you didn't, then you weren't going to be with the team. So the New Orleans Saints need to cut the turkey. Also staying in the NFC South, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith has a loaded Falcons team in terms of talent. From Bijan Robinson to Kyle Pitts, to Drake London, you look on the defensive side of the ball, you've got Calais Campbell, Caden Ellis, Jesse Bates, Jeff Okuda, Bud Dupree, and I said it, the Falcons were going to be a top 10 defense in the NFL, and right now they are not. The product that they put on the field is not a top 10 defense. They're in quarterback hell. They're in quarterback purgatory. The quarterback position is in shambles. And hey, I'm, I'm not here to talk smack about a Falcons head coach because I just told you right off the top, I wanted my whole front office cleaned. Because that, that's, that's what it needs. Bad contract for the Saints, you, you just got to blow it up. Not necessarily bad contracts with the Falcons, but knowing that this is a third straight year of Arthur Smith, let, 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 me, let me make sure I have that correct because I really like to be factually correct with you guys, especially when I'm talking about specific teams here on the pod. Uh, let's see. Excuse me. So two straight seven to 10 years. Now they're at four at six. Looks like they're heading straight towards a... Uh, yes, the Atlanta Falcons, 100% runs. They are moving towards another 7-10 and 10 year. And when Arthur Smith came in, he was supposed to be this offensive guy. He was supposed to be this, this offensive mastermind that could immediately, you know, turn this offense around. It was under Dan Quinn, who was not that great once Kyle Shanahan left and had that really, you know, one great season, but two seasons as offensive coordinator. He's not utilizing this talent well. He is not being that offensive guru that he was supposed to be when he came in. The offense under Arthur Smith over the last three years 
is worse than the final year that Matt Ryan was an Atlanta Falcon. And we kind of remember how in shambles that team was. The, the Falcons haven't unfortunately been above 500 since the loss in the Super Bowl, especially, you know, season over season. And, and that's unfortunate. That is very, very unfortunate. Arthur Smith, the Atlanta Falcons have to cut the turkey. They absolutely have to cut the turkey because the offense cannot continue to be mismanaged. Now Desmond Ritter's coming back in after Taylor Heineke came in. It's just confusing, right? You, you have Justin Fields on the board, the potential to take him. I know Arthur Smith wasn't really kind of wrapped up in all that, but just knowing that <laughs> I kind of, you know, rambled off there for a second, knowing that they've had these chances to get quarterbacks. And I don't personally think that they've drafted super well either. So Arthur Smith will be at the helm of that. Atlanta Falcons need to cut the turkey. The next team that needs to cut the turkey, the New England Patriots. And yes, I'm talking about Bill Belichick. Yes, the same Bill Belichick that's won six Super Bowls. Yes, the same Bill Belichick that's going for the winningest head coach of all time. The same Bill Belichick that's only 20 wins away from doing that. The reason I say Bill, we talked about it on the last show too, is Bill Belichick is a coach where the league has moved past him. Kind of like Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin continues to win football games and keep his you know team in in the discussion, more than the Patriots anyways, right? Patriots are 2-8. and eight. Bill Belichick can't draft. He's not only the head coach, but the GM. In the last decade, he drafted two All-Pros. It was a punter and a punt returner. Bill Belichick might have even lost a locker room at this point. You've benched Mac Jones multiple times for Bailey Zappi. Your fans are so deprived of time, deprived of, ta- deprived of talent. They want damn Malik Cunningham, who takes most of his snaps as a wide receiver in for quarterback. And it's okay that the league has moved past Belichick because even the defense isn't looking very solid. We know the offense isn't doing anything at this time. A 2-8 and eight football team, I understand Bill has recently brought you success within the last five, six years of a Super Bowl. I understand that Bill has been that guy that has created the dynasty. But eventually, you have to have your playmakers and your veterans, which this team does not consist a whole lot of, over there in New England. I, 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 I don't want to see Bill lose his job because he's so well-respected and arguably the greatest of all time. But you can only live in a certain era for so long. Just how I started off with Dennis Allen. You can only be in the Sean Payton era for so long. I went Breeze. I went Sean. Now let's go ahead and let Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael go, maybe even Mickey Loomis. It might be the same thing with the New England Patriots. And there's nothing wrong with that because at least the Patriots have six Super Bowl rings to either put their hands on or hang their hats off of. Put their put on their hands or hang their hat on, which, whichever way you want to look at it. New England Patriots need to cut the turkey with Bill Belichick. The next team that needs to cut the turkey, the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers have to cut ties with Brandon Staley. And this has been a major circulating thing over the last couple of weeks. We've even seen Brandon Staley get pissed at the podium. He said, you can stop asking that question because I'm going to be the one calling the defenses. Yeah, we know, Brandon Staley. You're going to be the one calling the defenses with one of the worst points per game defensively in the league, one of the worst defensive yards in the game, uh, defensive yards per game in the league, giving up almost 400 yards a game with a Derwin James, with a Khalil Mack. I understand Joey Bosa just went out, but I think the injury is better than some thought it was going to be with an Asante Samuel Jr., with some of those linebackers in that linebacking core, the most expensive defensive roster in the NFL in your four and six. And your quarterback can throw for 300 plus yards in a game, but only go 13 and 12 in those stretches. Your quarterback can't get any defensive help. This is really a Derek Carr treatment for Justin Herbert. Derek Carr never had a top 20 defense in his decade with the Los Angeles, or Los Angeles Raiders, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Brandon Staley, it's just, he's, 
he's not a head coach. He's not the guy. I thought the hire from Brandon, Brandon Staley was pretty solid after the Rams won the Super Bowl. I understand that. We see that he gets him to a playoff game last year. Trevor Lawrence, after the worst first half probably ever, comes back in and wins them the game. And, and that's not just one thing that I'm really looking at here with Brandon Staley. But for Christ's sake, losing to the Packers? And hey, the Saints did it too. I want I want a Dennis, Dennis Allen on after, a Dennis Allen gone after that game. I've wanted Dennis Allen gone for months, for weeks. So I'm not here to pick on any certain team. That's why I wanted to start with with my coach first. But the Los Angeles Chargers, you need to cut the turkey. But you, you know that you need to cut the turkey. Go ahead and get 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 it get get, get the knife ready. Go ahead. Get ready to carve it up nice. You know, what, what you want? You want you want sandwich? You want like deli? You want a hunk? Like what you want? Thanksgiving's coming up. Go ahead and get you a nice slice of the turkey. Go ahead and cut it. And the last team here that should cut the turkey, and then I might throw in some honorable mentions that y'all probably thought I was going to say, but I won't be putting on here. The Washington Commanders need to cut the turkey with Ron Rivera. They're a four and seven football team. They just lost to the, uh, the, the New York football giants. And knowing that Eric Bieniemy is next in line as well, I said it when Eric Bieniemy took the job. Eric Bieniemy's thinking bigger. He's thinking better. He's thinking of, I can eliminate the whole Andy Reid was my sidecar guy for years, and I can go to the Washington Commanders and put Sam Howell in the league lead for passing yards and let Sam Howell put up almost 400 yards on that Philadelphia Eagles defense. <clears throat> and the Washington Commanders click offensively when they've got Sam Howell in the right positions, and they've even got a lot of talent as well. They really do. I understand Montez Sweat, Chase Young gone, so those are going to be some big holes to fill. And they'll probably make a lot of free agency offseason and draft moves to supplement that. But the commanders need to cut the turkey with Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, when he came over, I, I love the fact that he was able to beat the odds, that he was able to actually get in, uh, you know, with the commanders, continue coaching. We know he had some health issues. Um, and, and I think a lot of the players respect Ron Rivera, you know, especially with his time in Carolina. But he wasn't a guy that was out of a very high coaching stature, uh, stature it, it, with the Panthers or in Carolina. You know, they knew that Ron Rivera was a defensive-minded head coach, and it wasn't as glaring of an issue back then, but it definitely is now. They've got the guy in the building. They only signed him to a two-year deal, so they should go ahead and elevate him. The Washington Commanders need to cut the turkey with Ron Rivera. He's been there for years. I don't think he's taken the team any further, and they've got a great guy in Eric Bieniemy who is patiently waiting to be the next greatest head coach in the NFL in the ballads on that two-year deal, and, and more than half of your first year is already gone. So Dennis Allen, Arthur Smith, Bill Belichick, Brandon Staley, and Ron Rivera, the Saints, Falcons, Patriots, Chargers, and Washington Commanders all need to cut the turkey this Thanksgiving. Now, I want to throw in some honorable mentions as well, because, you know, I'm just looking through. I, I, I don't want to be very harsh about these guys, but considering how long they've been in the league or the talent that they have, or the record that they've established with the talent that they have, if it's not up to, I mean, of course, it probably sounds picky to where I think it should be, then yeah, I, I put them here on the cut the turkey list. You could say Sean McDermott, they are at a six and five record though. Um, you know, and and I think the Bills are, you know, not in a horrible standing. Yes, they did just fire their OC. It's Josh Allen's third OC in his first six years, but maybe that last guy will be it but I know the I know the fan base is well calling for Sean McDermott to be fired I just don't believe at six and five after letting go of Ken Dorsey that Sean McDermott would be up next didn't think Robert Sala you know I think Sala is still pretty solid there 
Um, the Raiders had already done it. Obviously, I brought up the the uh, the Chargers there. I didn't think anybody in the AFC North needed their job taken. I know, you know, uh, Kevin Stefanski was being called for a lot earlier on in the year, but I think he's okay there. Um, you know, I, I would say Brian Dable, but I think considering the quarterback injuries this year and just all the injuries with the offense in general, he doesn't need to be have his feet held to the fire just yet. Maybe you'd want to say Mike McCarthy because he's a Cowboys coach, but he's still a good coach in this league. Of course, I said the commanders. Um, I almost wanted to put Jonathan Gannon, but rookie head coach. Didn't even think about Sean McVay. I know he's at a four and six record, but he has a lot of young talent over there um, as well. I almost wanted to say Matt Eberflus too. And you probably could say that Eberflus really should be fired at this point in the year. But um, I think that'll come after the season. I really do. Uh, and I could have very well put Eberflus on there, but he didn't have Justin Fields for a month, who is, you know, undoubtedly his... Uh, his better player. And then of course I did put the saints and the uh, Falcons coaches on there. The bucks, not necessarily. I think they're kind of in their, their middle ground currently. And then Frank Wright, I almost wanted to put Frank Wright as well. Um, but he's in a rookie year head coach and he's also, or not a rookie head coach as he's been a head coach before he's uh, with the number one overall pick in Bryce Young, who has struggled to stay healthy. There's not a lot of offensive talent over there in Carolina. Uh, so I'm going to stick there with the saints, Falcons, Patriots, chargers, and commanders, Firing their head coaches by Thanksgiving. What's up, Adam? Much love, man. What's good, bro? Good to see you, dude. Miss you. Love you. I was just thinking about how we uh, all used to go to church over there, man, at um at Rock Springs. And then we go to $3 Cafe over, over in Locust Grove. Y'all get in the chat and in the comments, though. Let me know what you think about the Thanksgiving segment of Cut the Turkey. Going to go a little different here. I know we usually do picks on the Friday show, but we've actually got four games between Thursday and Friday of this week. Three Thanksgiving games, the first ever Black Friday game in NFL history. So just going to do a quick four picks here. Then we'll hit the Week 12 Power, uh, yeah, week 12 power Rankings, and then we'll get on and get out of here. We've got the Lions and the Packers playing on Thanksgiving. The, the Packers are a bad football team, and there's a lot of folks on the injury report here. So I will take the Lions in this one. Now, it could be one of those where it is a, you know, divisional game um, and things like to be a little tricky and, you know, maybe a little competitive. But I, I think the Packers are just a pretty, you know, pretty rough team. They're going to be on the road in Detroit as well. So I'll take I'll take the lines in this one. We got the commanders at the Cowboys as well. The Dallas Cowboys are at home. They'll be playing at 430 on Thanksgiving. The Packers and Lions playing at 1230. The commanders just lost to the Giants. The Cowboys have beat the piss out of the Giants both times, actually putting up over 70 on them combined in the two contests. So I don't think this will be an issue here. The Cowboys will take this one home over the commanders at 430 on Thanksgiving. We've got the 49ers at the Seahawks. I'll take the 49ers in this one, let me go back real quick. Uh, there are some key injuries so far on the injury report between the Cowboys and the Commanders, so we'll see how it shakes out. And, and it could be a close one with another, you know, divisional rival as well. All of these are actually divisional games between Thanksgiving and Black Friday, uh, but I'll still take the Lions and the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Niners over the Seahawks as well. The Seahawks do have a bit of key players on injury report so far. I think Reek Woolen, uh, K-9, you know, Kenneth Walker III, Geno Smith as well, Tyler Lockett. So they're going to need to get healthy on that end. So it is worth monitoring, but overall San Francisco is is the better team. And then I'm going to take the Dolphins over the Jets as well. The Dolphins should have no issue here after the defense got absolutely demolished by the Buffalo Bills. Now, you know, the Jets could come out and play a good, you know, divisional game. They could come out and have the defense stifle Tua, and then we're talking more and more about, oh, not only was it the Raiders, but now they're struggling against against the Jets as well. I think I have my picks from, yeah, so I went... 
Um, or Lord, I didn't even tally up last week's picks. I'll do that. And then when we pick the rest of the games that aren't Thursday and Friday games throughout the week, we'll know my final, um, we'll know my, my, my record so far, but lines over Packers, Cowboys over commanders, Niners over Seahawks, Dolphins over jets as those four game picks from Thanksgiving and the first ever black Friday game ever. And let's go ahead and jump into the week 12 NFL power rankings here on the NFL with AJL. And we've got a good bit of a shakeup in this, uh, in these, in these power rankings here, week 12 NFL power rankings. So the one and the two are going to stay the same. Philadelphia beats Kansas city close on the road. Kansas city is still a top team in the league to me. They still hold the best quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And that was a good boring win that we just had to watch them grind out. That's why I said, I trust Philadelphia later on in the year. Detroit wins close to the Chicago bears Now you think that they might should had dropped down, you know, in these rankings here, but I'm still going to keep them up at the number two team. Number three for me is going to be San Francisco. They blow out the bucks at home, handle business there, do what, what they need to do. The Baltimore Ravens will be in at number four. They blew out the Bengals. Now it was amid Joe Burrow's injury, but nonetheless, the Bengals, or excuse me, the, the Baltimore Ravens win that game. Kansas city is going to fall from the three to the five in this week's power rankings as they lose to the Eagles close at home. And I thought about keeping them at the third spot, but I do believe if Detroit, San Francisco, or Baltimore played them today and Detroit's already played them, they would win And Philadelphia has already beat them as well. So Kansas city rightfully at uh, the five spot Jacksonville blew out the Titans at home. So they're going to be in there at the six spot for me, blowing out the divisional rival, doing what they absolutely need to do. No questions there. Dallas blew out pa- the Panthers on the road to so doing what they need to do. No reason to uh, really explain there. The Houston Texans. This was probably the one team from the week that I was like, wow, do I really have the Texans as the number eight team in football, even though C.J. Stroud just threw three picks against the Cardinals? Well, yeah, I mean, I do think if they play Buffalo, Miami, Denver, Minnesota, Cleveland, Seattle, or Pittsburgh, I do believe at this point in the season, the Houston Texans would win. And are they a young team? Yes. Do they have a lot of work to do still because they're a young team? Yes. But they're playing with house money. Tank Dell was a steal. C.J. Stroud is is clearly a star in the making, and, and the Texans are just continuing to wow people as we go on through the NFL season, the Buffalo bills at number nine, they blow out the jets at home, do what they need to do in the divisional game. And I'm not going to overhype them too much. I've got the Miami dolphins at the 10 spot. They uh, win close to the Raiders at home. was going to talk about that game here on the show. I was just running out of a little bit of time. Wanted to start, uh, of course, at seven, but we got going a little bit after, after seven o'clock, but everyone that's ahead of Miami, including Buffalo, that's beat them. I believe that Miami would lose to all those teams. So I'm going to comfortably keep them at the 10 spot. Now the Denver Broncos come surging up in my power rankings, make an appearance out of nowhere at the number 11 team. And again, if everyone below them played them today, based off the defense that they're putting on the field right now, I believe the Denver Broncos would win that game. Shout out to Drew from Pick Aside. Shout out to Coach Jake, who's a Broncos fan. Shout out to RG, one of my mom's best friends, who's a Broncos fan. Russ was never washed. I told y'all Sean Payton was going to do this. It just took me about three months to be able to be right on it. Broncos at number 11. Their offense does need to be better, but 12 turnovers in the last three weeks on the Vikings, Chiefs, and Bills, some of the best teams in the league compared to how they've been playing lately. You got to give them their credit. Minnesota at number 12. They do lose the close game by one to the Broncos on the road. And, you know, I'm, I mean, Minnesota just kind of got leveled out. They took Josh Dobbs off of his hot streak and, and Minnesota just kind of came back down to earth. And I was glad that it was against 
the Broncos on national television, Broncos being at home in Denver, um, you know, on the primetime Sunday night football game. And, you know, it was it was a good game to watch. Kind of a boring one as well, like the like the Eagles and Chiefs. But Minnesota does lose this one. So they are going to shift a little bit in the power rankings. But that's why Denver will be above them at 11. Uh, Cleveland in, excuse me, at the 13 spot. They beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It, Cleveland's a weird seven and three football team because they're rolling forward with Dorian Thompson Robinson. No Nick Chubb, no Jack Conklin, no Deshaun Watson. We know the injuries that have happened with them throughout the years. But Kevin Stefanski's doing a hell of a job. I mean, he really could be in considerations for coach of the year again. Seven and three, DTR. Uh, uh, wasn't, what, 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 hold on. Yeah, Pittsburgh lost to the Browns on the road. So Pittsburgh lost to Cleveland in Cleveland. DTR, his first game, cr- crying afterwards on the field, man. I mean, you got to love it. Played solid, played as well as he could have. You know, Kenny Pickett kind of him, him and Kenny Pickett kind of playing on the same level. Not going to do a whole lot of wowing for you, but they can make some you know textbook throws when you when you need them to. But this defense for Cleveland, I mean, being top five in all aspects, you know, interceptions, fumbles, yards per game, points per game given up, uh, even success rate in the in the NFL is very good for them. So Cleveland's going to be here at the thirteen spot. Seattle's going to stick at the fourteen. And- 15 spot here so that means that la the la chargers fall out of my power rankings and their piss poor play is just really starting to get under my skin i i can't keep them in my top 15 and then the cincinnati Bengals. i'm sure Bengals fans out there are going to hate that joe burrow's injured he's out for the year this is a seven to eight win football team at best and if you're five and five right now like a lot of teams are in the nfl in the afc you're not vying for a playoff spot. You're outside of that top seven. So there's no way in hell that seven to eight wins is, is going to get them there. Um, and then I've got Las Vegas right outside at the 16 spot because they're five and snick, uh, five and six. And they're kind of being sneaky with Antonio Pierce over there, making the switch to Aiden O'Connell, just kind of getting a new vibe going. You know, people talked about, or Max Crosby talked about on the Pat McAfee show, how that meeting before McDaniels got out of there was real. And it seems like that comes to be true because the energy is just, you know, very vibrant and kind of new here with this Raiders team, but it's going to stick Seattle at uh, still at the 14. And again, Pittsburgh at the 15 spot, Seattle loses by one to the Rams on the road. And then Pittsburgh loses by three to the Browns on the road as well. So from the 15 to the one, I've got Pittsburgh, Seattle, Cleveland, Minnesota, Denver, Miami, Buffalo, Houston, Dallas, Jacksonville, Kansas city, Baltimore, San Francisco, Detroit, and the Philadelphia Eagles continue to stay atop my NFL with AJL power rankings this has been episode 54 of the nfl with ajl i greatly appreciate everybody that jumped into the show tonight you could have been anywhere else in the world but you're right here with me tapped in on the show before we get out of here please make sure to like and share that stream wherever you may be watching subscribe on youtube let's get to 700 subs on tonight's show of course you can drop a super chat a super thanks in the live chat on YouTube. No donation is too big. And of course, no donation is too small as well. Birthday was just on October 27th. We got Christmas coming up in a month. And as always, any way that you should uh, support the show, whether it's your viewership, your engagement with the content, or if you donate your hard earned dollars to the show, just know that it goes to very, very good use at the NFL with AJL hashtag the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. If you can't find me, you're simply not looking hard enough. That's the one-stop shop here for the show. We chopped up all things NFL week 11 for what good games we did have in it. Again, I wanted to get to the dolphins and the Raiders, but just didn't have time. Chiefs needed the wide receiver help. The Broncos win streak, the Lions struggling. I gave you the cut the Turkey segment 
and the week 12 power rankings. I know Matt Canada got fired today, but I did not want to put that on this show. I already had the lineup set and everything for tonight. I'll be talking about that on Friday's show as we will appreciate the Thanksgiving that we're going to spend with our families and friends. On a real note, y'all, before we get out of here, have a happy Thanksgiving with your families. Have a happy Thanksgiving with your friends. A lot of people are celebrating this year without loved ones for the first time. Some people won't even be able to see their Thanksgiving as God will call them home. And we never know the situations that that other people are going to be around. So make your multiple stops, drive to your multiple places, control your drinking with the family and friends, and, and just have a good time. Rejoice, enjoy the food, have great conversations, and um, just be grateful that we're here and able to witness another one. As always, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate every bit of support you guys give me, no matter which shape, form, or fashion it's in. We'll be back with episode 55, the day after Thanksgiving, the Black Friday episode. Maybe we'll come up with a little segment there. As always, I love y'all, I need y'all, and I will see y'all on episode 55.